Milo, let me get on your shoulders. Gotcha. on fire? Is there chemtrails? Oh, no, no, Trump wasn't elected again, was he? Wait a minute, 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 story, 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 yay! Story, 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 Huh? You want a scary Halloween story? Now? Yeah. Oh, God. All right, all right. I guess tis the season, right? <laughs> okay, let's see. You want a ghost story? No, no. Nothing happening. That moves me. Yeah. Ghost. Goat. Goat story. Yeah. Goat story. Goat story. Yeah. <laughs> a goat story? Guys, I think you mean ghost story, right? Halloween has ghosts, not goats. No, 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 no. Goats. Yeah, goats. Goats. Like I'm going to Guys, what do you mean goats are scarier than ghosts? That's crazy. Look, look, I, I don't know any scary goat stories, okay? I'm sorry. Besides, it's three in the morning. Now go back to bed, okay? <laughs> Guys, I I just don't know any goat stories. So please, okay? Go back to bed. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Those two. Scary goat story. Never heard of a scary goat story. 
goats aren't scary. Oh, man. Okay, okay, guys, no, knock it off. That tickles. Look, no need to apologize. Just, just please, go back to bed. <laughs> zip it, zip it! Welcome in, friends, to this, the 208th edition of Fusebox, an All Hallows' Eve-tinged episode, diabolically entitled Grimwits. And uh, I am your jack-o'-lantern in search of a fireplace match, Mark Rose, and over there, literally slathered <laughs> in Brock's circus peanuts and rancid candy corn, <laughs> is the malevolent maestro of the meters, uh, Milt Keynes, everybody. <laughs> well, thank you kindly. Yeah, you know, uh, it's that time of year again, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's it's funny how that uh, just seems to come up every October, right? <laughs> look, look, I, I know it's a thing with a lot of folks, but, you know, it, it's just not my favorite time of year. I mean, I... I... Well, you know what? We, we established long ago on this program that you're not a big fan of the whole Halloween thing. And, yeah, uh, I, I'm... Well, but, but, you know, like I've said before, it gives you complete permission to turn all the lights out in your place and just not answer the door, you know? So hey, I, I don't need permission to do that, bro. I do that every night. <laughs> true, true. The uh, social butterfly, you are not. More like a social pit viper. Well, in spite of all of that, uh, we have decided to do a quasi-light and not very, but maybe just a little on the side, themed show with uh, some new stuff, some uh, archive stuff, 
and some just downright weird stuff on uh, this edition of the program. Uh, among that depraved list is a uh, brand new Twisted Epiphany from the uh, pen of Jody Lorimer and uh, fiendishly well-suited to uh, this here time of year. All right, now wait. Am I going to need to take the headphones off for that one? Because that stuff just usually creeps me. Oh, you know what? I I strongly suggest you leave them on for that one, Mr. Keynes. Yeah, lots of fun, ambient mischief going on there. Yeah, kind of what I was afraid of. So, leave them off. Gotcha. (laughs) Also included is a, uh, a past favorite Timo's world of ours that uh, we hope you'll get a little tickle from. Um, but first, uh, this thing. No, 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 not 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 that thing. Uh, th- this thing. Mummy paint. Wait, what? Well, allow me to tell you, and uh, this morsel of uh, triviata was discovered by uh, Jody Lorimer and quickly uh, sent our way. And <laughs> now, let me let me set this up. You you may not know this. Fair bet. <laughs> well, up until relatively recently, Egyptian mummies, believe it or not, were used to produce a type of paint which was called, not coincidentally, mummy brown. Now, these are Dead mummies, yeah? Not the ones walking around in Congress. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite, quite deceased. Although, an argument could be made that some of the congressional mummies are also quite dead, but don't know it yet. But I digress. So, uh, this mummy brown paint was, um, chiefly comprised of, uh, ground-up Egyptian mummies. This, this powder... Uh, then was mixed with a uh, white pitch and myrrh to produce a uh, rich brown pigment. And uh, as it says here, it was first made in the 16th century and really became all the rage with the pre-Raphaelite painters of the mid-19th century. Folks like British portraitist Sir William Beechey. Evidently, he kept stocks of uh, mummy brown on his shelves. The mesmerizing painting by Edward Byrne Jones entitled The Last Sleep of Arthur in Avalon is also believed to have been painted using Mummy Brown. And they knew this at the time? Well, excellent question, Mr. Keynes. Uh, evidently, they did not. As it turns out, this paint uh, became less popular in the uh, early 20th century, and this was partially due to the sudden enlightenment that the paint was actually made of real Egyptian mummies and the increasing awareness of the uh, scientific, archaeological, anthropological, and cultural importance that uh, mummies had, and, of course, also because of the significant decline in the number of mummies available. You think? Seems like supply might figure in there somewhere. (laughs) Well, 
Uh, as a uh, testimony to the more enlightened times, when the artist Edward Byrne Jones discovered what Mummy Brown was actually made of, he went to his studio, took his tube of Mummy Brown, and insisted on giving it a decent burial right there and right then. Wait a minute. Now, he buried a tube of paint? Yeah, he did. And, I, and I'm sure out of respect more now, than... You know, I don't know what's crazier. You know, paint made out of mummified corpses or a, a burying the stuff in the back 40 after the fact. Well, then you will be greatly relieved to know, Mr. Keynes, that in uh, 1964... Mummy brown paint became extinct when C. Robertson and Company, this is a uh, London firm that manufactures and supplies material for fine art, announced that they ran out of mummies for the production of their mummy brown paint. Oh, so I guess their enlightenment was purely supply-side driven. Yes, and but also, did you know, these mummies, well, they were also used for medicinal purposes. Oh, yeah, sure. You did? Well, hell no. <laughs> okay, well, this was due to uh, the belief that uh, mummies contained bitumen, which was used by the ancient Greeks to uh, cure a variety of diseases. As a result, of course, Egyptian mummies were shipped off to Europe, uh, pulverized and uh, sold in apothecaries throughout the continent. And a part of the craze for this here uh, mummy powder was due to the claim that mummies had a mysterious life force that was transferable to whoever ingested it. Hence... Ground mummies were consumed by Europeans well into the 18th century. Hey, excuse me for getting all philosophical and shit here, but what the hell is this fascination folks have with eating other people to get their life force or whatever? Hell, even Christianity has a version of this thing, yeah? That is a grand question. Maybe even a little surprising, too, Mr. Keynes. Well, I do have my moment. Well, you are correct, sir. Uh, that practice uh, goes as far back as recorded history can report. And uh, it is still a thing in many places. Uh, so, a uh, high demand means big bucks in mummy dust. Not surprisingly, fake Mummy dust was made by some to uh, cash in on this get-rich-now trend. So uh, when actual Egyptian mummies were uh, dwindling in supply, the corpses of convicted criminals were used instead. Holy carp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were using the bodies of executed criminals. And uh, sometimes they were using slaves. Uh, they would uh, treat uh, them with uh, bitumen and uh, then expose them to the sun in order to uh, produce authentic-looking mummies, which were then sold to traders. And then, once th uh, they were ground into powder, it, it would probably be near impossible to tell the difference between a, a genuine Egyptian mummy and a fresh corpse 
treated with bitumen. Yeah, I think I'm going to lose my lunch, which I haven't even had yet. Well, then here's some relief for you, Mr. Keynes. Today, the pigment, <laughs> I'm, I kid you not, this is what it's called, caput mortum, which means deadhead or worthless remains is an alternative name for Mummy Brown, and it is produced by popular brands such as uh, Faber-Castell. Yeah. But uh, we're guaranteed, however, that no actual dead bodies are used in the manufacture of this wondrous pigment. I'll drink to that. The show for everybody. But not everybody will like it. TheFuseBoxShow.com It's Timo's World! It was a dark and stormy night on All Hallows Eve, and while people were out drinking and having sex with strangers, Timo enjoyed a nice, quiet evening at home. Or won't they? Yeah! <laughs> 
what a pussy. And we are back, bro. A splendid. So right there, before we magically returned, was a Timo's world from, um... Oh, I'm going to guess what? A couple years back? 2017, Padrone. 2017? Yep. Oi. Well, so be it. Where the hell is time going? I mean, it felt like we just did that last year. Nope. Five years ago. Oh, well, harpy holidays to us. In any event, I uh, hope you got a chuckle out of that, uh, our buddy Timo. <laughs> He, he's just so well-intentioned. Well, no good deed goes unpunished, as they say. They sure are a cynical lot. Oh, say, say, we have a splendid little gem from the wondrously devilish mind of Jody Lorimer, another entry in our uh, spoken word series called Twisted Epiphanies, and this one... <laughs> Well, this one gives a whole new meaning to the term estate sale. The kids called him Buzzard Beak for his hooked nose, but then they were all a bunch of smart asses. It was supposed to be a play on him and his son having been turkey ranchers back in the day. Ha <laughs> ha. But then he got old, and wild turkeys could be found wandering around the main street of town. Didn't seem there was any point to keeping it up. His name was actually Eugene, and it sort of suited him. Fuzzy white hair that ran over his ears, a bald spot in the middle, and roomy blue eyes. He was a nice enough old guy, almost 90 years old. After his wife died a few years back, he seemed to just want to be left alone to putter around his cabin, or whatever he did after giving up the turkeys. I think he just let him go, lost interest. They could take their chances with the bobcats. His son stuck around, he was kind of a knothead. Don't know if he ever really had a job. Always looked like he just stepped off a cattle car in a strange town. But I guess he was company for Eugene. The kid was sort of a recluse too, slipping into town to buy groceries and such and slipping out again. No friends really. As constable, I'd been asked to drop in on him now and then. Make a welfare call as I do for a lot of the old folks who live out away from town. What with rattlesnakes, old mine shafts, and the occasional meth freak, it's a comfort to know they're doing okay. Last time I was out, the kid, well, he was about 60 by this time, met me coming up the drive. The place was more ramshackle than I remembered it. We chatted a bit, and he assured me his dad was just fine, but he was napping, so couldn't say hi himself, but promised to tell him I'd come by. The next time I dropped by was different. The driveway was pretty overgrown. The tarweed and poison oak had taken over his wife's old kitchen garden. 
I knocked on the door, but there was no answer. He may have been napping again and the sun in town. But there was a low hum, a fan maybe, so the old man just may not have heard the knock. I rubbed my sleeve on the dirty glass to clean a spot and cupped my hand over my eyes. Then I looked in the window. There was a pair of bare feet with toenails the color of tea that wrapped like claws over the toes. Then legs, bones really, propped up on the recliner footrest. In the gloom, I could just make out what was left of a chest. A head thrown back with a matted cloud of white fuzz around the ears. The watery blue eyes long hollowed out. The mouth wide open and lips peeled back in a grimace from the crooked yellow teeth. There was what was left of a naked person sitting in a barca lounger. It had to be Eugene. What was left of his buzzard nose rose like a sail between the puddle of his sunken cheeks. He'd been there for a long time. I called for backup. The coroner couldn't possibly determine the cause of death. Seems he'd been dead for over three years. Eugene was a mummy with not a drop of liquid left in him. His skeleton was visible in spots where the skin thinned out. Sitting in his chair on all those furnace-hot California summer days, the doors and windows shut, sucked it all out of him. He was baked. His skin was sort of leathery to the touch, but I only touched it once. But his knothead son had lived there too all that time, with his dad's naked dead body just sitting in that chair. For years. Did dad take off all his clothes for comfort one day and just take a nap he never woke from? Every day his son would have seen him. It was a small cabin. He'd have to step around his father's dead body to get to the kitchen to eat. How could he do that? Every day, Dad would be a little more sunken, the chair soaking up fluids, the flies swarming, humming constantly, probing into his ears, crawling along his teeth and down his throat. And... Yellow jackets. His skin loosened, went flaccid, then tightened into a sort of tanned hide with a bone sticking out here and there. The stink must have been terrible. Maybe that's why the fan had been running, and for years. Did he have conversations with his dad? In some corner of his weak mind, did he believe he wasn't dead? Did he even care? What he did do was continue to cash his father's social security and retirement checks. He assumed his father's identity and lived with and off him. To keep getting the money, he couldn't tell anyone his dad was at home dead in his recliner. About the time his dad was discovered, the son dropped dead in town after leaving the Quickie Mart with a bag of sugared donuts and a six-pack of Coke. A nephew was contacted to dispose of the estate. 
mic, and I put my headphones back on now. Why, of course you can, Mr. Keynes, but uh, shame, though. You missed some fun. Uh, some, some wondrous atmospherics going on there. Well, I'll catch it in the reruns. When the speakers are off and I'm actually not there at all. Sounds like a reliable avoidance maneuver. Works for me. And uh, that works for a show as well. As uh, we gather up the desiccated remains of our self-respect and squeak back through the grate in the dryer vent, but not before thanking our contributors on this edition of Fusebox... Jody Lorimer for exceptionally demented wordplay, and Kenzie Main for splendid ideification. Thanks as well to the Prince of Snarkness himself, <laughs> Milk Keynes, <laughs> for technical assistance and so on and so forth. Uh, well, uh, a true slice. And uh, folks, if uh, you're listening to this here show on your favorite steam power radio receiver or podcatcher or some crazy device clearly made by the giant manis aliens do yourself and us yeah and us a favor by subscribing to this show uh wherever you may have found it maybe give us four or 11 stars while you're at it you know because every bit helps truer words never spoken you can also join us on patreon and uh find some exclusive content there, a super-secret voicemail line that is totally secret and incredibly super, where you can leave comments, requests, denials, or stolen White House documents. Your comment, request, or whatever may end up in a future show, too. So head on over to uh, Patreon and uh, sign up. It's easy to find us. Go to patreon.com forward slash the Fusebox Show. Hey, it's just as easy to enjoy the thrill and wonderment of the Fusebox store, where swag abounds aplenty. Yeah, head on over to thefuseboxshow.com and click the swag tab. Or on our Facebook page right there at the top, it says shop now. Click that. Where you go. Lastly, but not leastly, thanks to you for pushing play on this edition of the show. We know you have other more pressing matters on your agendas, so... What the hell's more important than listening to us? Well, I don't know. Hiding top-secret documents or obstructing justice, maybe? Uh, yeah, but see, that's what's great about audio, bro. You can do all of that while still listening to us. Well, they can be multitasking legends. Yeah. Worthy of consideration, Mr. Kane. Indeed. Harpy Halloween to you all, and uh, I have been your ghostwriter to the recently deceased host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. Use box.